Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm spiffy. How are you? I don't know how to respond to that, <laughs> um, uh, but I, I'm fine. I've been uh, I'm well caffeinated, and, and that's always the first thing to find out about me. <laughs> Have you had your coffee yet? Yeah, has all young boy had his you know first pot of coffee. If so, you can talk to him. And friends, yes, that was the word pot. Not first cup of coffee, first pot of coffee, implying there will be more pots of coffee during the day. That is true. Um, and, and, and notice, and one day your heart will just explode, and that will be that will be interesting for science, for medical science. <laughs> um, so I know a bit a thing about you that our uh, listeners may or may not know. So I'm going to tell them, oh. which is that you never sleep. You you are. You I am an ins- insomniac. You have insomnia yeah. issues. Yes. So I know that you have read the Mueller report. Yes, I have. Right. All 800 billion pages of it. Well, except that with redactions, it's probably like 10 pages, right? Yeah, it's about a quarter. <laughs> I mean, it's actually a pretty. It's a pretty quick read because of all the redactions. <laughs> but it's 200 pages of yes. of still stuff in yes, there. Yes. Yes. And. Um, in the Mueller report, am I right that they mentioned the Twenty Fifth Amendment? Yes. Um, yeah. There, there, there was a, a, a mention uh, of the Twenty Fifth Amendment, and in particular, uh, it related to uh, the sequence of events that um, transpired after President Trump uh, fired FBI Director uh, Comey, uh, because there were officials within the Justice Department who began to have a conversation about whether or not they uh, should approach Vice President Pence and or other com- uh, cabinet members about invoking the 25th Amendment. Okay, so <laughs> the first question I want to start with is is actually a backup question. I okay. want to ask you about the 25th Amendment, okay. but I want to ask you about amendments in general. Because sure. there's only, what, 27 of them total? 27. That's not very many for a document that's 250 plus years old, right? So, yes. So that's not a simple thing. Like you can't just amend the Constitution just casually. That's not something that can be done easily, right? Aren't there just a couple of ways that you can amend the the Constitution? Yeah. There the 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 one method that has been used for all 27 amendments is uh, both houses of Congress uh, approve a proposed amendment. And then they send it to the states. And then uh, three-quarters of the states have to approve an amendment. The state legislatures? Uh, well, Like it's not the governor, no, right? No, no, is, no, I'm, no, I'm no. on board. Let's go. Because yeah, uh, that yeah. would be pretty easy, relatively speaking. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the people's representatives in both Congress and in the states okay. that have to approve it. So federal and state level. So that's hard, hard yeah. bar to get over, right? Cause sure. Because yeah. there have been lots of amendments that have not made yeah. it over that bar. Yeah, that- the, the the most recent uh, one that uh, uh, there's kind of sort of been a, a resurrection uh, of a discussion is the Equal Rights Amendment, um, uh, which was uh, proposed in the early 70s. Um, and then there was um, a sunset clause that was inserted in that proposed amendment. 
states had to go ahead and approve it within 10 years. And if they, uh, the requisite number of states did not, uh, then the proposed amendment uh, would fail. Is that a normal thing, a sunset clause no. to put in? No. Oh, really? So no, some no. amendments can just hang around forever? Yeah. Well, the, 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 the classic example is the 27th, the, the last amendment that got approved, uh, I believe, in the early 90s. Uh, that amendment, the 27th Amendment, which uh, uh, mandates that uh, uh, members of Congress cannot receive a pay raise until uh, one session of Congress has occurred, meaning they can't vote themselves a pay raise. <laughs> I okay. think I need more money. <laughs> right. I want to make more, more money, money starting next yeah. week. Yes. Okay. Now, the 27th Amendment was actually one of the amendments that was uh, uh, proposed with the Bill of Rights. Yes. So it was that has been hanging they are hanging for or, hundreds of years. Yes, a couple, yeah, uh, a couple hundred years. Yeah, it was a couple hundred years. Wow. And, 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 and it has a fascinating backstory. Um, <laughs> well, uh, apparently it has a long backstory. There was, uh, uh, I think it was either a high school or college kid, I want to say in Texas, wrote an essay about uh, the, uh, uh, the amendments that did not get approved as part of the Bill of Rights. And when he submitted the essay, his teacher gave him a C grade on the essay. But then he went ahead and uh, reached out to various state legislatures. And, and, and for our listeners, you have to put this into the context of the time. During the 1980s and early 1990s, uh, the American public... Um, uh, uh, actually voted members out of Congress because of the federal government not being able to balance its budget. And it was also the time period where you had term limits. Various states passed term limits limiting the length of time that either members of Congress could serve representing the state or uh, members of their state legislatures could serve. Now, eventually this went to... Um, uh, uh, the, the limitation, uh, it was a uh, case that arose from Arkansas, uh, where Arkansas had passed term limits on um, members of the House and the Senate representing the state of Arkansas. The case got challenged, or the, the law got challenged uh, the whole way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said um, uh, term limits on uh, congressional members violates uh, the U.S. Constitution. Okay, so this was a time period where. So for the, all those people who think there ought to be term limits, understand that, that question has already been. Yeah, you can still have term limits on to, to state legislative members. Okay, you just can't do it for members of Congress and governors because like, the governor of Virginia can only serve once, right? Okay, but again, you could still do that in the state constitution, right? Right. But, so Virginia is the only state that says Virginia governors cannot r run for re-election. They have to actually sit out a term. <laughs> you go now. You can come back later. <laughs> and, it, and, yeah. it's a, and it's a way to go ahead and limit the power of the executive. Right. Though it should be noted that uh, former Governor McAuliffe, when he announced he was not running for president, did not foreclose the idea that he was going to run for governor again in 2021. Ugh. Okay. Well, we're not even going to, I'm not going there with you. I see where you're trying to take me, but I'm not going. Um, 
So let, but, so 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 let's go back to the amendment process. So well, we we identified one uh, 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 one process that is identified in the U.S. Constitution, and that is uh, Congress has to approve it. And by the way, the president has no role in this. Okay. President has no role with. They can't veto. They can't. No. None okay. of that stuff. No, no. Oh, yeah. It comes within the Congress and then goes out to the, the states. states. That's right. If Congress goes ahead, goes ahead and approves it, it goes out to and, the states. And it's not. Is it a simple majority or is it? A, you said it's a two thirds, right? Like it. No, no. That was no, the two thirds of the states. States. That's right. Is it a simple majority yeah, in each simple majority. House of Congress? Although yeah. getting a simple majority at this point would be difficult for anything other than we all agree to breathe. Yeah, I mean, cause, um, you know, remember because partisan. I mean, you politics. know, it, it, it does require bicameralism, right? Right. They set that. Um, they set that up pretty smartly, really. Because <laughs> yeah. twenty-seven alterations in. You know, in this many years, years is actually pretty good uh, the track record for the founders. Yeah, the the second method um, is a constitutional convention. We've only had one of those, and that was the one that produced the Constitution. <laughs> ah, hence the name. <laughs> yeah, but you dashed clever. Uh, yeah. What will we call this? Oh, I don't know. No, we'll call it a constitutional, constitutional convention. convention. Yeah. Um, okay. Since we're writing this big old document. Yeah. Okay. So 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 that's possible, but it's rare. Mm -hmm. So. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure that we all understood how we yeah. get to amendments. So the 25th Amendment, correct me if I'm wrong, is 1965 that correct. this thing gets written. Yeah. And then gets like through the states in like what, 67, 68, something like that. Yeah, it was 67, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not trying to be picky, but didn't presidents die before that or become incapacitated before that? Sure. So... Was well, it just it, one of those things where everybody ran around the way, ah, threw their hands up and then well, the, the, had to figure out uh, what was happening? Or? Well, I mean, the larger issue was actually uh, replacing uh, vice presidents. Okay, uh, about what, Were a, they dropping like flies? Well, a quarter of them n never uh, finished their terms in office prior to, <laughs> to the 1967. You got to remember. What, was if, it just like, I don't want to do this anymore? Well, I mean, some of them died. Others are just like, I don't want to do it. I mean... The vice president position historically, um, and I think, who was it? Uh, it was the uh, first vice president for um, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, a guy by the name of Jack Garner. I think Jack Garner was uh, a former Speaker of the House from Texas. Garner once uh, commented, and please forgive me, I, uh, I, I don't think I got the exact quote. He said uh, the position wasn't worth a bucket of warm spit. <laughs> Okay. okay, that's gross. It's but, gross. But his his larger point was... What, what do you do as this guy? You're waiting for somebody to die. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and many presidents um, don't want to be one-upped by their vice president. It's only been recently that we've actually seen presidents uh, give meaningful roles to vice presidents, right? So if you think about... Al Gore. Uh, uh, yeah, Al Gore. Uh, President Clinton gave him a couple pretty significant responsibilities. Uh, was one was in regards to the environment, but the the public administration and scholar in me uh, notes that he was put in charge of the National Performance Review. Oh, the, right. The, there, a book came out. Like, did yes. he do a whole big? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, Re reinventing okay. government. Uh, that was that's it. Reinventing government. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, well, and, and President it, it, Bush served uh, President Reagan. Um, well, Reagan as Reagan, a like didn't he do a lot 
based in his work in previous work in government and well, the CIA and all that? Like he was doing a lot of foreign stuff, wasn't he? No, not really. No, no okay. uh, because Reagan, the the Reagan White House was was a pretty closed affair. I mean, it was basically uh, Nancy Reagan, uh, Ed Meese, uh, Donald Reagan, Casper uh, Weinberger, and uh, they were more conservative than Vice President Bush. So the first, ah. pr- uh, uh, the, 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 the one that became the for, uh, 41st. 41. Yeah, okay. Um, so he wasn't really part of that inner circle. Where you see it is Clinton with Al Gore, Bush too with Dick Cheney. Um, Dick Cheney had a lot of responsibility in the Bush two administration. Uh, Obama with Joe Biden, and in particular, Obama never really wanted to negotiate with Congress. So he basically uh, put Joe Biden uh, in charge of that, uh, in part because you know Joe Biden was a long-standing or long-serving member of the U.S. Senate. So the budget deals that got crafted uh, during the Obama administration, they were usually negotiated by Joe Biden working with John Boehner, who was the Speaker of the House, um, and then the ranking uh, Senate uh, minority leader uh, was Mitch McConnell, who eventually became a majority leader. Um, and then, um, well, with the Trump administration, I mean, God only knows who in the hell makes decisions in that in that White House. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure what uh, uh, Vice President Pence's job is. Um, and I imagine if we asked him, he probably couldn't probably, you know, tell us either. But nevertheless. Okay. Well, and um, with with Donald Trump, though, part of that issue with vice presidential power is if you are not used to sharing power, like if you come from the business, the world, business yeah. world where you don't share power, yeah. I imagine it would be difficult for you to to say, here, let me give you a meaningful job. That would be that would be hard um, hard to do. And I imagine that part of the, the reason that Clinton and Gore were able to pull that off is they did seem to be rather friendly on a personal level. Sure. Which may also help. I know that. So right at the beginning of the country, the first the president got the most votes and the vice president had gotten the second most votes. Right. So that might be a person that you despised. Sure. I mean, so, so cutting I mean, them out would not be it would not be uh, unusual right if you disliked them on a personal level saying i don't want you to have anything to do with my administration wouldn't be all that surprising that's one of the reasons why we got the 12th amendment uh could you elaborate yeah discuss (laughs) (laughs) okay so nee as you pointed out um our first presidents uh washington adams uh basically their vice presidents were the uh presidential candidates who got the second most votes in the Electoral College. So you had a situation where you had a president of one political party and the vice president of the other political party. And as I like to joke with my students, you know, if we didn't have the 12th Amendment, think about how today the president would be Donald Trump and the vice president would be Hillary Clinton. Oh, my gosh. That would be so (laughs) terrible on so many levels. Holy cow! Now I joke. I would love to. See, I, I would love to see the transcripts or the recordings of their <laughs> meetings. I mean, as a reality show. I mean, 
it would, it would put to shame what you know whatever oh, whatever reality oh, big brother yeah, yeah none of that yeah, no, yeah. 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 you don't get voted off the island you just get killed on the spot <laughs> right like that, okay. wow that would okay. be that would be something but the 12th amendment got passed because thanks both, for giving me a nightmare <laughs> scenario both political parties recognized that that was an untenable situation so what they ended up doing was when the electoral college meets um, they actually cast two votes one for the president one for the vice president okay and the way that it happens now is um you you know as soon as somebody gets the party's nomination they identify who their vice president is going to be and basically the practice that has arisen since the 12th amendment is the electors for the electoral college will cast a vote for the president and then um they will also cast a vote for whoever the president's hand-picked vice presidential candidate was okay so they could still stick them with someone. oh sure sure they could theoretically uh, but that would be the end of the electoral college, college. but i mean it would you, burn to the ground but you have a situation now to where um it is not assumed that the person with the second most votes in the electoral college is going to be the vice president right yeah okay and also understand you know vice presidents weren't giving meaningful roles by presidents. They are also constitutionally the convening officer of the Senate. But typically all they do is call the Senate into session and cast tie-breaking votes. And tie-breaking votes hardly ever occur, though theoretically they could occur all the time because there are 100 senators. Right. Okay. That could happen yeah. frequently yeah, if we didn't have the the uh, partisanship that we, we have, have currently. Or, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. So, but back to the 25th Amendment, you, did, you, you mentioned it was passed in 1965. It kind of sort of begs the question, how did we deal with presidential and vice presidential succession before 1965? Yeah, because there were a few years before that that we were doing stuff, right? Yes. Like, I mean, yeah. well, and the other thing is, so I'm reading the, the 25th Amendment, don't judge people who are listening, don't judge. Occasionally you just have to go back and read the original document. Um, it is kind of sort of the operating manual. It, it's pretty fabulous. <laughs> and if you just read the Constitution sometime, if you're just bored, wow, there's some really cool stuff in there. Um, but the the... This idea that nothing's going to happen to the president. I mean, Roosevelt died in office, right? Like McKinley died in office. People yeah. died. Lincoln died in office. Uh, not just assassinations, but illnesses. What wasn't one of them president for like thirty days or something because he didn't wear a coat in the rain yeah. during his inaugural? Um, Harrison? Seth Harrison? <gasps> yes. Look at me. I'm not yeah. a presidential scholar. We should f go ask Bill Newman. Um, but that. So there's been this before. So it's weird to me that 1965, and the only thing I can think that would have precipitated something like that would have been Kennedy's assassination. Did that have something to do with it, or yeah, was there? Uh, well, actually, or did that bring it to a head? An argument that had been ongoing, or what? What's the deal with that historically? Well, actually, you mentioned two of more than likely the three events that. Um, motivated Congress uh, to uh, consider a proposed 25th Amendment. Um, one was FDR. Um, uh, and, you know, FDR dying in office, and in particular, FDR never really consulted his vice presidents. You know, so there's a, a well-known and well-supported story that 
um, Roosevelt dies and uh, Truman assumes the office of president and he finds out, you know, within 24 hours, we actually have the atomic bomb. He was unaware, even though he had been president for, or vice president for about a year, he was unaware that we had been working to, you know, develop the atomic bomb. That is the most unpleasant surprise that you could yes. get. Into the, yes. Hi, welcome to the office. We have an atomic we bomb. bomb. Like, wait, wait, what? Yes. You know, yeah, and, and, okay. and, and he was actually given, you know, at that point, scenarios for its usage. Okay. So, so, there so was he that. immediately stopped sleeping at night? Yeah. There was that. Then there was Eisenhower's health. Eisenhower, um, uh, okay, so you had FDR, you had Truman, then Ike gets elected president in 1952. He had a heart attack and he had a couple other uh, medical issues. And he and Vice President Richard Nixon had uh, a kind of sort of formal agreement. They actually wrote it up and got it like notarized. But the attorney general said it wasn't constitutional. But basically, Eisenhower, when he was unable to be president, Vice President Nixon would run cabinet meetings, uh, receive foreign dignitaries, etc. So you per the agreement, or that actually happened when he had his heart attack. Um, per the agreement. Oh, okay. Okay, but then the situation with JFK's assassination really kind of sort of drove home the point. We need language in the Constitution that deals with, um, you know, mechanism or procedures for presidential succession. JFK gets assassinated, um, but Vice President Johnson wasn't with him. Vice President Johnson takes the oath on the plane to D.C., Yes, there's a famous photograph yeah, with, yeah, with Jacqueline uh, Kennedy, Kennedy is holding the, the Bible, yeah, I think. Yeah, okay. And it really drove home the point, you know, what what would have happened if JFK had not died but was incapacitated? Because there's no language in the Constitution oh, about that. Oh, I see. If he had been that. in a coma uh, yeah, if he had been, yeah. oh, I see, so, a vegetative state, state or something like he'd the, still be president, yeah, technically. Yeah, um, and, and again— you know, JFK's relationship with Vice President Johnson um, was uh, not wine and roses by any stretch. Prickly. I yeah, think they yeah, used yeah, the word prickly. prickly. Yeah, right? Um, you know, JFK only picked Johnson in large, well, in large part, he only picked Johnson um, uh, for um, electoral college success in the 1960 election. You know, uh, Vice President Johnson uh, uh, served in Congress, uh, uh, particularly the Senate from the state of Texas. And uh, many of JFK's campaign staff were concerned that a liberal from Boston, okay, would have very little chance at uh, getting Southern Democrats votes. And they were right. And, and they were, yeah, more than likely they I were mean, right. I mean, because let's face it. Uh, without that election was so close that if Illinois would have went for Nixon, and by the way, there were a whole bunch of disputed votes in Chicago, like oh, the, Mayor Daley, yeah, like ah. the like the turnout in Chicago for the 1960 presidential election was significantly higher 
than the turnout for the 56 and 52 presidential elections. You know, today we would, you know. So ballot stuffing. Yeah, yeah. Box stuffing. Yeah, you know, today, you know, Nixon's campaign would have already had like a cadre of lawyers already on retainer ready to file suit in federal court, okay, to ask for a recount of the ballots. But Nixon, to his credit, okay, this is one of those times, one of those odd times we say Nixon, to his credit, Nixon refused to push for a recount. Okay. Did he just think that it would be bad for the nation to drag yeah. it out? That's yeah. kind of what Al Gore said yeah. when he went to the Supreme Court yeah, after with the President Sup- Bush. He, finally, he he said, you know what, we need to just stop. Yeah, after this the Supreme Court ruled against him, uh, Al Gore went in and said, you know, do I think that there's evidence that I won Florida and thus would have won the Electoral College? Yes, but this needs to stop. Yeah. Okay. So this all culminates with the Congress actually then considering the 25th Amendment. Um, and and almost immediately, the 25th Amendment gets used, okay? Uh, you see it uh, with the Nixon administration, right. okay? I was sorry. I, yeah. I was sitting here quietly. It's funny, Augie, for those of you who can't see him, looked at me like, hello? Like, right, <laughs> yeah. Nixon, right. He had to okay. resign. But before, so, we, but before we get to Nixon, let to. You asked the point, you asked the question, okay, this is kind of sort of bizarre. I mean, we're into the 1960s, and we don't have a presidential succession plan clearly identified in the Constitution. And and it led to various issues. So, for instance, uh, President Harrison in 1841 dies, right? His vice president is uh, John Tyler, actually from Virginia, okay? Tyler goes ahead and creates the precedent of assuming the office of president. Though members of Congress, okay, were under the impression, many members of Congress, that he was just an acting or interim president, and thus the country should probably go ahead and have another election to replace Harrison. And Tyler was like, no, I was vice president. Now I am president. I am president for the rest of his term. And And he just sort of decided that. Yes. Can I just say it is weird that the Constitution is so clear on so many things and the founders were so thoughtful about so many things, but it didn't occur to them that somebody could croak in the office and that there would need to be a plan other than, I don't know, what do you want to do? I mean, like, this is like trying to decide where to go for dinner. Like, it's not, it's not, we don't leave that up to the group because you can't, somebody has to lead, right? Somebody has to say, Let's go for Italian, and everybody says yes. Let's go for it, or no. I want to go for sushi. Or and then, as, and argument, then when you, and when you but, drive and when you drive to the Italian restaurant parking lot, and you see all the spots full, okay, and there's people, you know, in line outside the door, okay, you should have probably a backup plan, right? right. Okay, right. But we have a constitution. To your point, Nia, where the framers never went ahead and said what happens when the president dies or, you know, or has to resign. Okay. There's no language about that. That is just weird. Yeah. Okay. I Uh, mean, until 1965 and then suddenly there's language. By the way, um, for listeners, this will be, of course, attached to the, to the research guide, but also there are four parts to this, to this amendment. It's not just, 
if the president dies, the vice president takes over. That's the first part. But then there's all these other parts that explain other other yeah. things about it. And before we get to that, I just want to go ahead and remind our listeners, it wasn't just Harrison dying in 1841, right? You know, Garfield gets assassinated, okay, in 1883, right? Uh, uh, McKinley dies, and I believe— something early 1902 or yeah it led to teddy roosevelt you know becoming president or you know this is one of my you know favorite exam favorite kind of sort of bizarre but woodrow wilson suffered a stroke in 1919 okay um so basically for a year and a half like didn't his wife yes his wife basically ran the white house yeah she was the president yes more or less Congress was never informed. The vice president didn't find out until months after, okay, Wilson was, okay, basically bedridden, okay? So, and then you have FDR. Who I mean, people I mean, didn't even know was in a wheelchair chair, because yes. there were agreements about not showing him yeah. in a wheelchair and, yeah. okay. and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. Like, that could never happen today. Yes. If, if. Um, and I'm not wishing this on him at all, but if for some reason Donald Trump were injured and he ended up in a wheelchair, there is no way that would not be on CNN within five seconds of it happening. Like that's, it's amazing to me that in previous presidencies, so many things, infidelity, um, medical issues, all kinds of social issues, all that sort of thing just sort of got swept under the rug because... Those weren't issues that we talked about. Well, the first thing you see is Watergate, really, where somebody says, yes. no, way, no way the hands, the gloves are coming off the hands. We're just going to beat this guy to a pulp because yeah. he's doing this thing. Or I he's mean, accused you know, of doing this thing. When I show students the uh, first televised presidential debate between JFK and Nixon, right, my students come to the same conclusion as those Americans who were polled after the debate. Uh, JFK looked young, vibrant, etc. And then I go ahead and share with my students their medical histories. Nixon was in superb health. JFK was a wa- walking pharmacy. Right. right. He was addicted to painkillers, I think. Yes. And and took okay. stuff for his back. back I mean, PT-109, right? He was yeah. injured in the okay. war. Okay. And, he, you know, he suffered from, you know, debilitating migraines. Okay. Nixon, on the other hand... Okay, you know, slept like a champ, eight hours a night, right? Okay, exercised regularly, okay? Um, uh, Never engaged, there's never any rumors of infidelity, right? I mean, this was a guy who was, you know, pretty focused on being a public servant. In contrast to JFK, who basically had to be, you know, browbeat into running for office by his, okay, very powerful father, okay? Um, and, you know, basically ran for president because his very powerful father was just like, one of my boys is going to be president, right? Um, but my students are just like, why didn't we know this? And well, I and said, because the, the press didn't report this. And people who heard it on the radio said that Nixon won. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of that was visual, too, yeah, right? Yeah. It was just the fact that yeah. JFK was handsome, and he handled himself well in front of the mm-hmm. camera. He was very... I mean, he was very talented in that way. The, the, people say that Donald Trump is the first presidential um, 
candidate who was really familiar with how to work television. I'm like, I don't know if that's true because Kennedy did a great job. Yeah, Reagan was um, great at it. Clinton was good at yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I think we've had, had a history yeah. of presidents yeah. that, that yeah. have managed to do that. But anyway, okay, anyway, so, that is all off the topic of the 25th Amendment. Okay, so we get the 25th so, Amendment. So it's pretty easy when a president dies because that's pretty clear cut. That's not yeah. a situation from which one recovers. Uh, other than dawn of the dead, right, that's not yeah. a situation that we'll see you again. So the first usage of the 25th Amendment occurs with the Nixon administration. Where and, Nixon and, didn't die. Okay, well, before even Nixon, the 25th Amendment was used because Vice President Spiro Agnew had to resign. Oh. Okay. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, right, because yes, yes. he was indicted, right? Yeah, Wasn't yeah. he in Denis? Yeah, so what we're talking about here is... Section 2 of the 25th Amendment. Whenever there is a vacancy in the office of the vice president, the president shall nominate a vice president who shall take office upon confirmation by a majority vote of both houses of Congress. I have a question. Sure. Can you pick anybody? Sure. Could they pick me? Theoretically, yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm I'm interested in the job, but, you know, I wouldn't turn it down. Again, this furthers your point, Nia, of... (laughs) We go ahead and we, you know, we pass an amendment. We go ahead and finally deal with presidential succession, vice presidential succession, and we never specify the qualifications <laughs> of who may be picked by the president. Because we like to leave things as vague as possible because <laughs> nothing goes wrong in the government when you have that level of vagueness. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so he Nixon, can pick anybody. So Nixon, Nixon can pick picked, anybody when, when Nixon Agnew picked steps uh, down. Uh, House of Representative uh, uh, from Michigan, Gerald Ford, longstanding, Aww. right? Gerald Ford, who we love. Okay. Uh, so Vo- Ford becomes vice president. Uh, then Nixon has to resign in '74 because of Watergate, right? But he's just won re-election. Uh, he won re-election in '72, so he's uh, about a year and change into right, his right. second term, right? Nixon resigns. So by practice, who becomes president? Ford. Ford. So Ford, following the 25th Amendment, once again, Section 2, picks Nelson Rockefeller, who wasn't even in government at that time. He was the former Republican governor of New York. He was no longer in government service. But he was a moderate Republican who he, uh, Ford basically knew would not uh, upset uh, most Democrats in Congress and most Republicans. Okay. So we had so this odd— more or less, he was more or less a tapioca choice. Yes. He's sort of neutral. Yes. And, he, he, he was okay. a Northeast moderate Republican. Okay. Okay. So he and had, he was wealthy and he was well-known. Yes. And, and we he had, had run for president, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah, point? he had. But we had a bizarre situation for the last roughly, you know, two years— of that presidential administration where we had a president and a vice president, neither of whom had actually won the office. They hadn't been picked by the people. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, that's. So that's the 25th Amendment in (laughs) practice. Okay. Which could go a little rogue. Yeah. But then we have it used even more, okay, unrelated to presidents having to step down from office. So, for instance, um, <laughs> and all three of these examples deal with uh, uh, a middle-aged male procedure, okay, okay, and that is Reagan and then Bush too, twice, uh, had to go uh, under anesthesia for 
colonoscopies. Oh. And they invoked the 25th Amendment, okay, all three times. Well— 1985, 2002, and 2007. And in fairness, because anesthesia can be deadly. Like sure. it can leave sure. you incapacitated and yes. it can come. It's not something you should do lightly. However, so. it's also been considered a few other times. So, for instance, in 1981, there's an assassination attempt on Reagan. Yes. Reagan did not invoke the 25th Amendment because he didn't have time before he got rushed into surgery. So you had that bizarre situation where... Bush, um, the uh, Herbert Walker Bush, the vice president 41. Bush, 41. Okay, he's not in D.C. So while he is flying back to D.C., okay, they held a press conference at the White House, which led to the oh, infamous, oh, okay, Al, Al Haig saying, oh, I'm in charge, charge here. here right? And everybody going, wait, wait a minute. Wait, what? You're not, you're not the vice president. <laughs> And that, oh, Al and they, Haig. Yeah, but yeah. in fairness, Al Haig was trying to say we're it's we're under control. It's all good. Yeah, sure. Right, it's all yeah. fine. But saying I'm in charge here was probably the wrong thing to say. But yes. like you and I remember it this many years later. Oh yeah, right? that's kind of yeah. That's a little sad for Al Haig because <laughs> okay. he did do other things besides that. But oh he's yeah, he was a, he was a well-known general, right? Okay, <laughs> uh, you know, served a couple of bureaucratic uh, cabinet positions, etc. But now it, it kind of sort of stands for, you know, somebody assuming power who basically doesn't have the authority to assume power. Oh, you pulled an L. Haig. Oh, great. OK. Um, yeah. Listeners, if anybody accuses you of that, stop and look at your uh, look at what you're doing. Yeah. Look at your behavior. The, the other time in the Reagan administration um, and uh, what's his name, who uh, kind of sort of did the uh, definitive biography of the Reagan presidency. I think his last name is Morse. Um, has a chapter that discussed how uh, in 1987, uh, Reagan got a new uh, uh, chief of staff, uh, Howard Baker. And Howard Baker, one of the first things he was presented as chief of staff uh, was a consideration uh, by a couple cabinet members that they invoked the 25th Amendment because, and they didn't know it at the time, um, and this was not, you know, a, a diagnosis uh, that was, you know, widely used in the medical community. Um, there were complaints among the White House staff that Reagan was distracted, uh, lazy, not really focused on the job. Fell asleep in For, meetings. Yes. There's all kinds of things okay. like that. Yeah. Um, now we recognize after the fact this was probably uh, uh, early symptoms of his Alzheimer's. Right. Okay. Uh, so they considered it. They never had invoked it. And then the last time it was considered but never invoked, uh, we now know because of the Mueller report, is— uh, Look, we've come back full circle. Oh, this we have. Uh, is um, during uh, the Trump administration in the days after uh, Trump uh, terminating uh, FBI Director James Comey. And they were— yeah, on what grounds were they? Yeah, basically, uh, they would have been invoking. Uh, let me actually pull up the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Uh, they would have been invoking uh, the Section Three. Uh, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. No. He's unable to discharge the powers yes. and duties. Yeah. Wait. No, it would be Section Four. Section Four. So I'm going to go ahead and read that. Okay. 
Whenever the vice president and majority of either the principled officers of the executive departments or of such body as Congress may, uh, by, may by law provide, transmit to the president pro tem of the Senate and the Speaker of the House the written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president shall immediately assume the power and duties of the office as acting president. And can now, I just but, say that that sounds a little bit like a coup? Yeah, I mean, in another country, we might say, oh, if a bunch of the cabinet got together and said the president was unable to discharge their duties because they didn't like what was going on, that would be you yeah, know, a junta. Uh, that would be a coup. That and would that be was something. actually part of the debate in Congress that, le- uh, that led to the 25th Amendment was the concern that on one hand they needed language to go ahead and deal with a president who might be incapacitated but is unwilling to give up the position versus um, how do we make sure um, that is not easily used by a vice president or by a majority of the cabinet members to engage in what you just described, a coup d'etat, okay? Um, Now, when you read the language um, of Section 4, Congress followed up by actually clarifying who were the quote-unquote principal officers. And basically what they have identified is that it has to be a majority of the uh, cabinet secretaries. Um, And right now we have 15 cabinet departments, okay? So basically you have 16 people voting, okay? And it has to be a majority, okay? So, because you have the vice president plus the 15 cabinet secretaries. Right. And they all have an equal vote, yeah. And then they would go to Congress. Yeah, they would report. And then Congress would remove the president? uh, Once it gets submitted to the Congress, then the Congress will acknowledge that they have received this. And per uh, the terms of Section 4 of the 25th Amendment, uh, the president is no longer um, holding the power and authority of the position. Is that both sides of Congress? Yes. Because remember, it gets reported to the president pro tem of the Senate and the Speaker of the House. And so do they vote or is there just a Uh, thanks for letting us know? It's just a thanks for letting us know. There's no vote in Congress. Oh, okay. So Congress doesn't have any option to say, no, 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 you can't do that. Yeah. Once, I mean, if you theoretically, I guess if you could get the other people on your side, then they're, they're arguing that that's a... Yeah. That seems a little scary. But then again, okay, I would imagine that people who took... We, we've had discussions about the people who take those positions. Those are very serious people, and that is a very serious accusation. That is not something that you would... And also remember, That too, you would easily... Yeah, it's a, you know, it, yeah, it sounds bonkers to me. I mean, right? That's not uh, something uh, you would ever actually invoke unless you were really prepared well, for I mean, yeah, the it, fallout from that. I mean, it's a serious action, but also remember, too, all 15, 15 of those cabinet secretaries owe their position to the president. Right. I mean, they were nominated by the president. So they know him. They're unlikely yeah. to... 
so turn on him in that way, I mean, just it, randomly. I mean, it would have to be there, a there, really serious. This is a you know, this would have to be a pretty serious accusation to go ahead and uh, overcome their you know natural personal loyalty to the person who gave them their job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's. It's such a um, weird thing to think that we've that our that our current government they may have had this discussion. That seems weird to me, but only because I'm not um, I'm not comfortable with the idea of a group of people who may or may not be medical professionals deciding whether somebody can or can't. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I would want. I would want consultation. It's too bad there's not something in there that says you have to actually consult with an outside group or you have to consult with the, the members of Congress or you have to do something. I mean, think about, you know, he is a repre- he is elected by the people. So- sure, but I mean, you know, think about all the commentary, uh, and I've read a bunch, and I've heard <laughs> a bunch, particularly from my students, about how the 25th Amendment should be invoked in regards to our current president. And I'm like, Okay, so you guys are medical professionals. And they're like, no, but he's just crazy politically. Well, that's not... So have lots of people been crazy politically? Sure. I mean, So you, that, that doesn't seem like to me that that's, yeah. a, that's a reasonable... Yeah. I, I mean, we have term limits. We, we call them elections. Sure. And there's co- one coming up in two years. I mean, and I mean it, it, it is... I mean, it, if, it, you, if you really believe that yeah. there is... That that President Trump is not is not good for the nation or not good for people or whatever, then go out and vote. Like that's how you that's well, how you fix that. Well, and the other thing too, once again, if you read the Mueller report, um, there were easily a half a dozen um, executive branch officials who ignored direct orders from the president. Okay, you know that's institutionalism writ large. Okay. So if you're that afraid, you should also be, you know, heartened by the fact that we got people in the executive branch here like, hey, I swore an oath to uphold the Constitution. And what he wants me to do, okay, is law breaking 101. I'm not going to do it. And they didn't. (laughs) I'm like, yay, good for them. The system works. (laughs) The system works, right? So at the same time, you know, we, we bemoan the fact that we can't hold bureaucrats accountable. A whole bunch of them went ahead and served us pretty darn well, according to the Mueller report. And they hold themselves accountable. Sure. Um, which is yeah. which is a good. But you know, I I share your concern, ending. but on the, at, at the same time, okay, uh, the history books are, are are rife with examples of presidents who you know you're like, wow, this person was like running the country, right? Okay, you know they were. You know, alcoholics, right? They were, um, you know, racists. They were bigots. They um, were on drugs. They, they were, were high. They, they were, were drugs. I mean, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, um, I mean, and, and I go, I go back to Woodrow Wilson. I mean, they were unconscious, right? <laughs> which, which is, I mean, I mean, a year and a half, right? You know, and this was the guy, by the way, who led us into the war, and who negotiated, you know, okay, for the winners. The treaty that ended the war, right? So, I mean, you kind of <laughs> sort of wonder here. Okay, so he has a stroke. 
we may need to go ahead and like, you know, get him out of office, right? You know, this was the United States on the world stage writ large. I mean, you can make the argument, you know, during the Spanish-American War, but World War One is where we kind of sort of came out of our isolationist shell for the first time. We should probably have somebody, you know, you know, fully functioning, running, you know, running the government post World War One. We didn't, and nobody in Congress knew. But she must have done okay because, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, right. Nobody, I mean, nobody said, "Hey, yeah, things yeah. are really falling apart around here." <laughs> so technically, one could argue she might have been the first female president. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I actually, I've read a couple of books that would make that argument. Yeah. So. Which. Yeah. Would make me happy. Yeah. To but, think about. But, but the Twenty Fifth Amendment, fascinating stuff, isn't it? It is. It's scary, but it's fascinating, and I think that um, for anybody who who doesn't. Um, think about these things in terms of of sort of historical terrifying precedent <laughs> when you realize how recent it is you think holy cow this is crazy but before I mean, we it, go yeah. i want to ask you one other question about what i think is something that may be tangent tangentially related to the 25th okay which is that we have had a lot of older presidents um in our time presidents who are in their when they get elected, they are in their late 60s, early 70s, and they serve um, through those time periods. Do you think that um, that 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 there was any thought about that when they were working on this? I mean, I, I've read the floor debates uh, uh, that led up to the the passage of the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Of course, you have. Okay, and again, you, you can find those. You can find those on the uh, in the congressional record. Um, so once again, I'm you know, you know, throwing out yet another uh, a government document you could look up. Um, I mean, there was some discussion. Uh, there were um, not too coded references to you know like FDR. Uh, Truman was in pretty good health. Uh, uh, Eisenhower, um, uh, a couple of Southern Democrats <laughs> were a little snarky about, you know, Kennedy's health. <laughs> but, right. okay, they didn't reference him specifically. But, you know, th that informed the debate, right? I mean, Kennedy was young, but Eisenhower wasn't, FDR wasn't. Um, uh, in, in more recent times, uh, I mean, if you think about Reagan, for instance, uh, the Bush one, uh, not so much uh, uh, Clinton, though, again, age is not always a good barometer in regards right, to physical Clinton's health. Right, because Clinton's health was terrible. It was terrible, when right? When he was in the White House, so, he, was, yeah. he was obese. He yeah, was right. uh, and, and, in, in poor and health even, in And even Bush, too, I mean, you know, was a bicyclist, golfer, okay, et cetera, but, I mean— he had two colonoscopies. He had uh, 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 some um, uh, skin cancer um, issues. Um, you know, uh, the current president is obviously in his 70s. Uh, it's an issue that's being debated now, right? I mean, Joe Biden, um, I mean, we're recording this podcast uh, the day after uh, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden announced that he's running for the Democratic Party nomination. And I read easily three or four articles, and all uh, all of them mentioned uh, his age. Same with Bernie Sanders. Yeah, his you know age. Bernie Sanders and um, Donald Trump. I mean, the, yeah. the who look like 
of course, we're two years out. So, like, yeah. everything could change. The planet yeah. could be hit by a comet next week. But barring something amazing, one, at least one of these people will probably still be in it at the, at, you know, at the um, uh, time the of the election. election. Yeah, and you're the, talking yeah. about, yeah. well, and Hillary Clinton, she was not, I mean, she's not old, but she's not young either. So yeah, it I seems mean, to it, me it, that it, that's kind of an interesting and it's also an sidebar issue, question about the 25th is that if you keep electing people who are older or not in particularly good health, and I know sometimes they release health reports and sometimes they don't, yeah, then you know you're kind of this. This is going to become more and more important as you keep doing that. And this is also an issue that you're going to be exploring uh, with uh, uh, another faculty member in regards to uh, the issue of packing the court. Um, because one of the alternatives to packing the court is having term limits for federal judges. Because again, the oh, that's true. One you know, because, could argue. Yeah, because you I know, mean, I love Ruth know, Bader Ginsburg, Ginsburg but, but she's you know she's you know she's quite elderly at this yeah, point. Okay, um, and still on top of things. Okay. She's smarter than I am, and she's quicker than I am. Okay, but, but you know, again, you know, have we had Supreme Court justices serve into uh, their eighties? And we found out after the fact that, you know, they, you know, uh, their mental faculties um, had diminished. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, and, and that's part of a larger debate we're going to have to have because the, you know, the U.S., like many Western democracies, is grain. Right. Okay. It's getting older. Right. And many individuals are wanting to work uh, longer. Um, uh, than they previously did. And it kind of sort of begs the question, how do we address this issue? Um, uh, and, and and I don't know if there's, you know, a right answer or we're going to uh, touch upon that in this podcast, but you make a really good point. Um, if we elect presidents um, who are in their late 60s, early 70s, many of whom have had high-stress jobs most of their professional lives, um, and many of whom are like the rest of us. Their dietary habits are uh, less than exemplary. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, all I keep on thinking about is, you know, uh, you know, both Trump and Clinton. Okay? Oh, man, with their love of cheeseburgers. <laughs> cheeseburgers right. Okay. Well, and, and, we and are, I'm right there with you guys. Well, and we are, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and we are as a nation more obese than we were. Yeah. So naturally, more yeah. people who are coming into service are more obese than yeah. in previous generations. And there are all kinds of things yeah. health wise that this is going to bring up. But this is a really interesting um it's a really interesting discussion. It makes me think there's a whole lot more to it that we should probably get into, but we probably can't get into that today. But I want to thank you for explaining it to me because I'm, I didn't realize it was so recent, and now that I know that, that's at least one less thing keeping me up at night, <laughs> right? Is is that you know how is this handled? Uh, apparently, there's a plan. Yes. So yeah, it's a little vague around the edges, but at least there's a plan, and um, and I. Do you think I'm going to ask you just your opinion to end? Yeah. Do you think that we will see a 25th invocation um, anytime soon in the presidency? No, nah, <laughs> probably not. Um, in part because um, uh, the, the 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 process it's a difficult process to go ahead and have a majority of the cabinet members and the vice president 
declare a president uh, unfit to serve. Um, politically, um, particularly if either House of Congress is of the same political party as the president, um, there would be hell to pay um, if that actually happened. Um, and um, and a lot of these charges that get me made today um, are so obviously partisan that it's pretty difficult to go ahead and take them seriously. I, I would hope that there's enough of us who kind of sort of um, uh, are reflected in the comments you made a few moments ago where you're like, you know, you know, do the medical professionals get the way in on this? Do they actually, you know, because this is the kind of thing that, you know, somebody, you know, you know, let's just say, for instance, we have a, a president who has to take medi uh, a, a new medicine for a, a chronic condition, and it throws them off uh, their game for a couple weeks, okay? Well, the 25th Amendment was designed to go ahead and allow a president to go ahead and, you know, recover, you know, after a couple of weeks and then come back into office because that can also happen. Right. Okay. The, if you're reading the fourth yeah. section, you should yes. note that the president just writes a letter and says, I'm feeling much better now. Yes. And, and then, then, it get, then it goes to a vote again of the same people. OK. The cabinet. Yeah. And then they and they're Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. better. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I generally like the fact that the 25th Amendment gives us a process. It may not be the best process, but it gives us a process to go ahead and deal with circumstances that arose enough in history that we kind of sort of had to address, <laughs> right? It's kind of sort of like, you know, one of your opening uh, comments for this podcast. Okay, this was 1965. Did we have presidents like, you know, die and like resign and stuff before 19? Yes, we did, okay? <laughs> and we didn't have a process to go ahead and identify who was going to go ahead and take over and how long would they take over, et cetera. So, you know, the, the, the old administrator in me is just like, okay, it may not be the best process, but it's better than not having one at all. Yeah. So Sometimes we yeah. get it right. Yeah. It just takes us 200 yeah. years. <clears throat> okay. Well, thank you so much. I hey, enjoy uh, talking about it. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to our listeners soon. All right. Okay. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.